1: For example, what is the purpose of this? Well, it's a ping pong paddle. Its purpose is not the table tennis ball over the net. Also, it can double as a spanking paddle in the 1970s, but we won't get into that story. That's something else. What's the purpose of this? This is from heaven. It's a remote control. Let's you control the TV and the audio, and it has its own specific purpose. What's the purpose of this? Amazon. To buy happiness. Come on, you know that's true. This is a $50 gift card. I have several of them. I promise you, this can buy only temporary happiness let me test it out. I can't do this everywhere. Wish I could, but it's your lucky day if you're in the room. If you're a mom, let's say kids under 10, because the role of mom is exhausting. And I know it's, it's spring break, but some of you moms are still here. And you just need a break, so you can only spend this. Michael, where are you, man? Where, you can only spend this on you. And Michael's just going to go hand that to, to five moms with kids under 10. Now, if you're sitting near one, you look at their face, and I promise you a smile comes on their face. Why? Because that stuff buys happiness. What's the purpose of this? Check this out on the screen. It's a dog. My daughter had a white Bichon Frise. We call it Bichon Freak. What is the purpose of a dog? Don't you know? Man's best friend. What's the purpose of this? It's a cat. There is no known purpose. It's never been found. Now, before I get more hate mail from cat lovers, which you can still be forgiven. I mean, God works through all sorts of... We had a cat, black. Green eyes, named emerald, outdoor cat. Had no purpose. (laughs) Let let me explain the problem with cats. You've heard this, but I've always enjoyed it, so I'm going to read it. A dog thinks, you know where this is going? Hey, these people I live with feed me, love me, provide me with a warm place, dry house, pet me and take good care of me. They must be gods. A cat thinks. Hey, these people I live with feed me, love me, provide me with a nice, warm, dry house, pet me, and take good care of me. I must be a God. (laughs) Dogs, cats. Each have their purpose. Israel had no king. And there was a purpose to that. Because God was their king. And yet there was a moment in time in 1100 BC when Israel asked for a king. Now that was really a way of rejecting God. God called it a sin among the people. But here's what scripture tells us in 1 Samuel. The elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel, the prophet who was spiritually leading Israel for God. We want a king over us. Then we will be like all the other nations with a king to lead us and to go out before us and to fight our battles. And so God picked Saul. God picked who, everybody? Saul. Saul became the first king in the nation of Israel. And he had a purpose. He was 30 years old when he became king. And God gave him a very specific purpose. Purpose is a powerful thing. See, you you can't... Well, you you can't use a ping-pong paddle to control the TV and the audio. You you can't use a remote control to go to the Olympics and play table tennis. They each have their purpose. And you can't corrupt the purpose and still have it be usable. And so the great question of life has always been, do I have a purpose? What is my purpose? Do I have a purpose? What is my purpose? Do I? It's the question of the day. Do I have a purpose? And God gives us an answer. In fact, I hope you've already discovered, as we have been going through the Jesus Storybook Bible, that God is on purpose. Nothing is by accident. This isn't random. In fact, let me say it this way. Put it on the screen. We are created on purpose for a purpose. God made us, tell your neighbor this, just look at your neighbor wherever you are, even if you're on spring break and you're watching, if you're 12 stone home, if you're on online committee, or if you're in the room, any of the campuses, you ready? Just say this to your neighbor, kind of look at this and look at your neighbor. That's good. See if you can do that. God made us on purpose and for a purpose. Amen. God made you on purpose and for a purpose. Do we have a purpose? Yes. What is our purpose? Fair question. And that takes us in to the Jesus Storybook Bible and the story of today. God's people had a new land. Now they wanted a king. But God is your king, Samuel told them. He is the one who looks after you best. Oh, we want a real king, they said. One we can see. Now God knew that a king might not be kind to his people or look after them as well as he would. God's people didn't care; they wanted a king, and they wanted him now. So God gave them a king. Pause. Let me make sure you understand the timeline. Let me just jump to where this is happening in the timeline of history. We've talked about Moses and how God called Moses and brought the Israelites out of Egypt and gave him the 10 commandments and then was going to take him into the promised land and Moses dies and Joshua takes over. And then we last week sat in the story of, of Joshua and, and Jericho and, and how God dropped the walls. And then we're about to skip maybe 300 plus years three to 350 years from the end of the book of Joshua to the very first King Saul. These are the years of the judges and these were up and down years, which means it was up for a season of time. They would follow God and do what God asks and do whatever was right in God's eyes. And then, and then they would get full of themselves and get prideful. And then they would only do what seemed right in their eyes. And when they would do, they would fall from grace and, and get far from God. And then and then they would be uh, overrun and conquered by their enemies and they would suffer and everything would be down and they'd cry out to God. and God would raise up another judge like Gideon or or Samson. And here's the story. It repeated itself. They kept doing whatever seemed right in their own eyes instead of God's. And then they cry out for a king. And we're going to sit primarily in the story today of King Saul. And it leads into the story of King David, who was the second king, which takes you in history to King Solomon, the third king. But then the divided kingdom, the divided nation. And then 400 silent years between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And then Jesus. We'll celebrate Jesus in Easter in a, in a couple of weeks. But now that you know where you are, we're right there at King Saul. Let's go back to our story where we were reading. So God gave them a king. He was called Saul. And he seemed like a good king at first. But he became proud. Pause. But he became what? Proud. proud. Say it loud proud. He became what? Proud proud. huh? He became proud. By the way, the next line is what happens with pride. He became proud and stopped listening to God. That's what proud is. He didn't obey God. That's what proud is or love God with his whole heart. That's what proud proud does. Well, Saul can't help me with my plan. God said I need a king who loves me and will teach my people to love me. I need a true king. And God had just the one in mind. Go to Bethlehem, God told Samuel. You'll find the new king there. Samuel's job was to listen to God and tell people what God said. So, let's camp on the story of Saul. Now it leads into David, who is the next and future king. But we got to sit inside the story of Saul because it's very instructive. See, God had a purpose for Saul being king as God has a purpose for you. And discovering Saul's purpose is instructive to your purpose. Saul was made king to rule over a realm. Listen, we all have an arena in which we rule. And wherever God has your rule, wherever you have your reign, however great or small, in your home, in your work, in your business, whatever season of life, God has purpose to it. God has put purpose to marriage and family and parenting. To money and how you handle it. To life and how you live it. Well, God gave purpose to Saul. And the scripture picks up where Samuel is choosing and going to anoint him. Then Samuel took a flask of oil, olive oil. I poured it on Saul's head, and he kissed him, saying, and so this is a moment of anointing for king. Has not the Lord anointed you ruler over whose inheritance? His. I can't hear you. Whose? Not ruler over yours. Just to be clear. We'll come back. Ruler. There's a purpose here. You're going to be ruler over God's kingdom, over his inheritance, his people. When Saul was to be installed as king, Samuel could not find him. So I'm rushing ahead in scripture. And the Lord said, he has hidden himself among the supplies. Pause. So they're about to put him before all the people and anoint him as king. Like declare him as king. Make him king. And, and all the people are gathered and you can't find Saul. Because listen, Saul feels so small in his own eyes. Huh. And the Lord said, he, Saul, has hidden himself among the supplies. Keep me mean? To- he's about to make him king all the people are gathered hey uh, where's the future king god's like <laughs> he's he's hiding behind the supplies way over there yep, he's not a front no no he's humbly hiding interesting the lord said he has hidden himself among the supplies they ran and brought him out and as he stood among the people He was a head taller than any of the others, which tells you I could not have been king. Just, I noted that. Samuel said to all the people, do you see the man the Lord has chosen? There is no one like him among all the people. Then the people shouted, long live the king. Samuel explained to the people the rights and duties of kingship. Hang on, the purpose of kingship. It has a purpose. It has rights and duties. It has freedoms and boundaries. God set it up on purpose. Let me, let me help you see it this way. Let me just, just go with me over here. And, and, and if you're somebody who likes to draw things out or, or, or make a point, then let me. God remained the capital K king. I just want to make sure you see that. And he established Saul to be the small case. King. Do, you, do, you, do you see it? Tell me you do. Do you see it? Do you see the difference? Do you see, you see the, God remained the eternal, permanent, sovereign king. There's no confusion. He didn't hand it off and say, well, I'm just going to be absent landlord here. You be sovereign. You be king over all the earth and all the world. You be independent from me. You just run it any way you want. Oh, no, God, there was purpose. He established a small K king to rule under the capital K king. And when you understand your place and your purpose, it's a beautiful life. But when you start using a ping pong paddle to control the TV, it doesn't work because you're not using it for its purpose. You get this? See, Saul was small in his own eyes. He was a head taller than everyone else, but he was a lot smaller than God. He might have been bigger, but God was bigger. Yeah? Okay. Well, just know in life, wherever God has given you a realm to lead, you're just a small K king. I don't care if that realm is large or small, if it's at home as a mom, a dad, over a family. Maybe you're a teacher, police officer, politician. Maybe you work for someone. Maybe a bunch of people work for you. Maybe you're an entrepreneur. Maybe you own your own company. Maybe you have influence over millions or billions. It matters not. You're always the small K king in whatever realm you rule. Rule like you know you're a small K king. This is what keeps you humble. And what breaks down and broke down for Saul is he forgot there was a capital K king. There is a way to live like you think you're, well, the king. So what's your purpose in life? The first three kings of Israel, Saul, David, Solomon, I know they would unite and say, oh, oh, we can give it to you. File, I I'll put it on the screen, you wanna get this in your head and in your heart. I exist to serve God. God exists to serve me. And here's our purpose. Humble yourself. Give me the next line. Humble yourself before the Lord. Everybody say it with me. Do what? Humble yourself before the Lord. Say it again. Do what? Humble yourself before the Lord. Oh, this takes a while to get in. Let's do it one more time. Do what? Humble yourself. See, every time you're tempted. Come on. Every time you're tempted to pretend you're capital K king, humble yourself before the Lord. Be humble. I know they would have said this because it's what costs Saul the kingdom. It's what got David the kingdom. It's what the Holy Spirit wrote through Solomon in Proverbs 3.34 It's what the Holy Spirit prompted the brother of Jesus, James, to write in James 4. It's what the Apostle Peter repeated again. Look at the scriptures. James 4. God opposes, let the weight of this fall on you for a moment. This is pretty heavy. God opposes the proud. Hang on. This was written to Christians, this was written to the church. So when James was quoting this and the Holy Spirit was inspiring this, it was for believers and followers of Christ to be aware of something. Listen. When you become a follower of Christ, be careful. Your purpose is to be humble before the Lord. Do not get proud with the favor of God over your life, the kindness of God over your marriage or your family or your single life or your business or your finances. Don't get so right in yourself that you carry a haughtiness in the world. around. Do not rise up and start living as if you're king, capital K, over your little kingdom. Because God opposes the who? Proud. But gives grace to the who? What's your purpose? Humble yourself before the Lord. That's why Peter quotes it again. I mean, this is how important it is in Scripture. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with what? Man, when you get dressed, dress in humility. For God, here it is again, opposes the Who? Proud, but gives grace to the who? Don't put yourself in a place where God's got to oppose you. Therefore, humble yourselves. There it is. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Humble yourselves before the Lord. Why? Why? Because your only alternative is proud. If you don't humble yourself before the Lord and live every day with the awareness that you're the small K king, your only alternative is to act like you're the capital K king. And it's so subtle. And when you're humble, God can give you grace. And when you're proud, he has to oppose you because you're lying to yourself. You've lost your place in your purpose. Let me put this on the screen. This is this, why this is so weighty. You got, you got to understand what pride does. Pride blinds you to your place in life and blows up your purpose in life. Get a hold of this. It blinds you to your place in life. You start walking around like you're somebody, like you're something, like you did all this. And it blows up your purpose in life. And you end up like a ping pong paddle trying to control the TV and it just doesn't work. Like, what's wrong with life? You got remote control and you're at the Olympics and you're trying to win the table tennis gold and it doesn't even work. What is wrong with life? See, the, the Jesus Storybook Bible assumes you know the story of Saul. I'm going to overview this story. I won't assume you know it. But what you will see is that pride blinded him to his place in life and blew up his purpose in life. And he lost the kingship. But mostly he lost his purpose. A purposeless life is a very wandering, anxious, filled, worrisome, go nowhere Empty life. So what happened to Saul? Glad you asked. Saul waded into the waters of pride and could not see it. Because what does pride do? It blinds. Like out of curiosity, how many of you, like if it's a cold lake or if, it, if it's cold pool, how many of you are the jump in versus the walk in slow? Just out of curiosity, how many of you just jump right in, get in the cold, let it happen, get it over with? How many of you those kind of people? And how many of you like do it slow? I got to wade in. I got to go ankle, waist, neck, swim. Well, well, pride, pride is more of a, of a slow thing. Let's walk the journey of Saul. Saul got in ankle deep into the waters of pride. His first experience as scripture describes in First Samuel 10 to 15. His first experience is, is, oh my gracious, he's under pressure. He's under what? Pressure. Why? Because Samuel said, my purpose as priest is to offer the sacrifice and give you instructions from God. Yours as king is to fight the war. And God will be with you. Priest, purpose, offer the sacrifice. King, fight the wars. I'm being simplistic, but you get it. Saul shows up to the battle with Philistines. And Samuel hasn't shown up yet. He's starting to feel pressure because the Philistines are moving. And his own troops are scared and scattering. Under practical pressure, Saul says... I can't wait for Samuel to fulfill his purpose. My own troops are putting pressure. Philistines are putting pressure. God, there's all kinds of pressure. I can't wait and stay on purpose. I'll just do what seems right in my own eyes. Anybody hear that? Just ankle deep, I'll offer the sacrifice. So he offers, he does the priestly duty and then gives instruction. And Samuel then shows up, What are you doing? He's like, What do you mean? I'm just being practical. How many times, under the explanation of I'm just being practical, do we violate the purposes of God? We're under pressure, we're just being practical. Wake up, can't you see what I see? And you know what Samuel says? You're a fool. And in the biblical, the Hebrew, it's not like, oh, that was dumb. It's you're a fool like the Proverbs use a fool. A fool says in his heart, there is no God. In that moment, you acted like you were capital K king. Like you were sovereign. Like you get to make God's decisions. Like you get to replace your place and pick your purpose. And because of that, you've lost the dynasty. He's ankle deep. Instead of turning around and walking out of the water, he goes waist deep, which gets you through all the sensitive stuff in that cold water. And now it's power and possessions. Now God says to fight against the Amalekites and when you do, wipe them out. Now, this is a whole other study in scripture of what a holy war is. And that'd take a couple hours because our present culture can't even understand what was happening in scripture in that context. And you don't have to evaluate it. It was to wipe out because this was God's judgment on them. So wipe out the Amalekites, wipe out the king and remove all of the unholy animals, which means all of them. He just kill the whole thing, wipe it out. All right. That's God's purpose. God gives him victory and Saul before he takes down King Agag of the Amalekites. He's like, you know what? If I brought him alive, chained into Israel, everybody would celebrate me. Oh, because it was the custom of the day. When one king conquers another king, if you walk that king into your territory and he's subdued, everybody sees you and your name gets bigger. You become a conquering king. You're amazing. They start exalting you. Saul, Saul, Saul. Woo, look at Saul. So he does what is right in his own eyes and he doesn't kill the king. Then he sees that there's some really good livestock, fat, healthy, and he kills all the weak, but he keeps the good stuff because after all, you want power and possession. And he did what seemed right in his own eyes. And Samuel shows up and says, what are you doing? You're violating the purpose of God. You've lost clarity of your place. He's waist deep into pride. He doesn't turn around. He just walks deeper into the waters. He gets neck deep. When Samuel goes looking for him, he says, now where's Saul? Saul went back and he's making a monument to himself. Oh. Samuel shows up, did you remember way back here before you ever became king, before the Lord anointed you over his people that you were small in your own eyes and now after all the kindness of God, we're way down here and you're so big in your own eyes that you've lost your place and your purpose. Pretty soon, you know what he's doing? He's swimming in the waters of pride. Can't even see it. He hasn't seen it the whole way. Now he's just doing whatever seems right in his own eyes. You know what he's doing down here? David gets anointed as future king. Surely, surely Saul knows about it. And so like, no, this is my competition. No, it's not. It's the will of God. No, it's my competition. David rises up, comes a great warrior. He wins a huge battle. He comes into the nation of Israel. It's all glory to God. And the people are gathering around and singing. And one of the songs they're singing is Saul is taken down as thousands, but David is tens of thousands. And it galled Saul. And he decided, I think I'm just going to kill David. And he tries many times. Hang on. Isn't this interesting? He's so swimming in pride now that he is not only off God's purpose. He's working directly against God's purpose, trying to kill the future king. Do you see how dangerous pride is? Say you do. Do you see how dangerous pride is? Let me put this right back to where we left off. That's the same pride blinds you to your place in life and blows up your purpose in life. That we should be terrified. In fact, by the end, God said, "I regret that I made Saul king." And you know what? I'll bet. Saul regretted what he had done. So, what do you do? Let me highlight some things. Let me just hit some things quickly. Get out of prideful waters, right? I mean, the moment God reveals pride, walk out of those waters. I mean, if you're swimming in it right now and God reveals it, man, get out of that water. If you're neck deep, get out of that water. If you're waist deep, get out of that water. If you're ankle deep, turn around, get out of that water because this is going to blind you and blow up your purpose. And the problem is you can't see that you can't see. So how, how do you do this? Well, I have an idea. Quit singing your own song. And if you don't know what that might sound like, Back when Marsh and I were in college in the early 80s, Mac Davis sang a song, It's Hard to Be Humble. And We were highly entertained by it, and I'm going to play 40 seconds of it just to entertain you. Feel free to sing along if you know it. Oh, Lord, it's hard to be humble When you're perfect in every way I can't wait to look in the mirror Cause I get better again each day. To know me is to love me. I must be a lovable man. Oh long, it's hard to be humble, but I'm doing the best that I can. Oh, it's hard to be humble when you're singing your own song. Isn't it? What is proud? What is humble? I made a little list. May God give you and I the grace to see if we're on the proud side. Pride is full of self. Humility is full of the Holy Spirit. Pride is quick to speak. By the way, this impacts your marriage, your family, your work, your relationships. Everywhere you go. Pride is quick to speak. Humility is quick to listen. Pride is a short fuse. Humility has a long fuse. Pride is ungrateful. Humility appreciates. Pride is harder on others, but easier on self. Humility is harder on self, but easier on others. Pride depends foremost on itself. Humility depends foremost on God. Pride is quick to division. Humility is quick to a conversation. Pride bends and breaks God's teachings. Humility bows and obeys God's teachings. Pride exalts self. Humility exalts God. Pride is the sin of Satan. Humility is the heart of Jesus. Where are you proud? Ankle deep, waist deep. Neck deep, swimming in it. Proud is such a subtle thing. Nobody can see it. It doesn't mean you have a lot. You can just be proud in a little. Are you working harder to build your name or God's name? Are we having fun? Because I can feel it. I just feel like, man, this is fun. Man, we love this subject. How are we going to be helpful if we don't have honest conversations, right? Are you aligning your values to culture or to Christ? Honestly, we live in a world with a lot of questions right now. I jotted some down. What about origins and creation? What about male and female? What about marriage and its definition? What about family and parenting? What about materialism and giving? What about indulgence and drunkenness? What about social media with slander, gossip and divisiveness? What about Jesus's church in an age of anti-church? See, in all of these, God has spoken purpose into all of them. And the question is, do you bring your life under the values of the culture or the values of Christ? See, if you're a follower of Christ, you don't do what seems right in your eyes. You don't do what seems right in the culture's eyes. We live in a culture that says, go find your own truth, whatever seems right in your own eyes. You do understand that's judges. And Saul brought Israel back to the dark ages of judges. To be a follower of Christ is to no longer believe any of us simply do what seems right in our own eyes. Now, some of you are not followers of Christ. Some of you listening, gathering at a campus, you're a 12-stone home. Some of you are in the online community. You're investigating faith. You're not sure you buy this Jesus thing or the truth of Scripture, the Bible. I get that. Welcome. If God is drawing you to himself, stay in the journey. But understand something. Our primary role is not to start with culture as followers of Christ. We start with Christ, not culture. We're not out to make the world be like us. We're out to be like Christ. So we adjust to his teaching. So we're not going to join. We can't join this idea that the culture sets our values. And if you're a follower of Christ, that's what it means. You've been spiritually born again. You follow the teachings of Jesus. And listen, you get caught in pride and it blinds you. And you start blending culture and Christ. It's not Christian. It's proud. You get ankle deep. Do whatever seems right in your own eyes instead of God's eyes. Saul thought it was no big deal. That's what we say. Ah, No big deal. That's what pride says. Pride doesn't care. Hmm. So get out of it. Get out of those waters. How do you get out of those waters? Let's go back to Peter in 1 Peter. Humble yourselves before the Lord. Be clothed with Humility. You know what that means? Let me go practice this. That means when you get up in the morning and you get dressed for the day, put on humility. All that means is this. You go, you go get dressed for the day, whatever, whatever you're wearing for the day. Just, just make sure that when you get dressed, you put on humility. You put on what? You look like clothes. You just, you just put it on. All right. And make sure that humility is your garment wherever you go that what you're going after that day is to honor God and please God. In fact, I, I, I'm suggesting a prayer to you. I'm suggesting you just gotta kind of make this a prayer every morning. And if, if you won't do it forever, just do it for seven days and see what happens. Heavenly Father, I humble myself before you. I exist to serve you today. Help me honor you and value others. Hang on, what does that mean? Oh, oh, Will you put this on, this right here, this, you know what this jacket is, this little vest? Heavenly Father, I humble myself before you. I exist to serve you today. Help me to honor you and value others. That's what this is. You know when you go to a restroom and then you check yourself, do I look good? When you check yourself to see if you look good, offer the prayer again. <laughs> when you get home and you change your clothes, man, I just want to be in some relaxing clothes. When you do, make sure you put humility on because that is what helps your marriage and your family work. When you come to church, put humility on. When you don't come to church, put humility on and come to church. <laughs> just just put humility on. Just dress in it. Oh, but I want to know the practical stuff. I know, I know, I know. I want to know God's will and purpose. You know, like what should be my job and where should I work and 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 where should I buy a house and how much house or should I be in an apartment and and I want to know college or trade school and I want to know should I take the new job opportunity. I want to know practical stuff. I, I want to I want to know if, if I should get married, who should I marry. I, I want to, I, I want to know how I should handle money, anxiety, how I should handle worry. I, I I want practical answers to practical stuff in real life. Hey, I'm going to show you how practical this is the whole teaching has been incredibly practical if you understand God's purpose. See, I'm I'm just going to put you a progression of four things that are true about the purposes of God. First of all, we share the same first purpose, all of us. Followers of Christ, we all share the same first purpose, which is the being, and that is humble yourself before the Lord. Then we share the same second purpose, which is valuing. That is, we take the same values of God. You take the scripture, these are the values of God. So listen, we all have the same first purpose, humble ourselves before the Lord. We all have the same second purpose, We walk according according to God's word. We don't do what's right in our own eyes. We do what's right in his eyes. Then we each have a different doing purpose. And by the way, things like growth track that we do here, they help you kind of understand your spiritual gift, your personality, what it means to go out in this world. Yes, we all have different purposes, and you have, those kinds of questions. But know this, the doing purpose, which is here on earth, ultimately leads to we share the same forever purpose. We get to dwell with him forever. Thank God, heaven's coming. But while we're in the doing, watch this. People all want to know the doing purpose. And here's what I want to help you understand. You can't hear God speak on the doing if you're not walking with God in the being and the valuing because pride takes over and pride closes your ears and shuts your eyes. That's why this is so Practical. Saul didn't put on humility, and God replaced him with David. Listen, you don't have to have God replace you. You can get out of the water. Thank God if he reveals pride to you, you can get out of the water by the grace of God. In the eighth year-ish of 12 Stone, we were doing better as a church. Some of you know the story of the first few years were rough and Marcia and I kind of went major backwards financial and near bankruptcy and lost all our house money and personal money and, Health insurance, and it was just an ugly first four years, and took a while for the church to gain gain traction. And then, six years in, we got property and building and opened up doors, and then broke into the serving 200, and it was starting to become self sustained. Then, 300, 400, 500, 600, and and, and now we were going. And during all that time, we were dependent on on our denomination, which I'm a part, the Wesleyan Church, where I hold my ordination. And they had helped pay for my salary in the first year or two, and helped the church establish, and bought the first half of the land, and the whole district, and circles. I was dependent on them because I was desperate. But now by year six, seven, eight, I I don't need them. We're the biggest and fastest growing and we're self-sustaining. And then things went sideways with the new district superintendent. And I thought, we don't need them. We might as well just go independent. Because there's a way where you were once dependent and you appreciate it and you need it. And then you forget what somebody did. Hint, hint, children. Anyhow, that was just random. That was just... And then you get to this side. So I was sitting with attorneys, and I was setting it up so that we could go become independent. Just take everything, walk away, because I didn't like the guy. And That was my first time I got to sit down at a meal with John Maxwell. And I shared it with John because I knew as a leader he'd understand, and he'd affirm me, and he'd celebrate me. and He'd help me, he'd help me go from waist deep to neck deep. Come on, John, help me. John said, you know, Kevin, I can't tell you what to do. I can just tell you this. God often puts a less talented leader over a highly talented leader to test the humility of the rising leader. That is not what I was asking John for. was so exposed I went back and apologized to the DS I got humble, he got humble we got humble it's been a blessing in my life ever since I think that day God rescued me from myself. I think God would rescue you from yourself. If you could just get humble. If you could do this prayer that we looked at right there. Heavenly Father, I humble myself before you. I exist to serve you today. Help me honor you and value others.